0: Now, I'm going to say something shocking. Even as I was preparing my notes, I'm like, I'm not sure if I should actually say this, but I'm going to to go for it. I'm going to say something shocking, especially for Christmas Eve service. But Christmas is not about the birth of Jesus. Just continue with me, though, please. Don't Don't just turn it off right now, okay? It's about the anticipation that led to his birth and the anticipation that follows from his birth. And what I mean by this is something very similar to our experience as parents. A lot of you share this. And if you don't, you're you're an aunt or an uncle or cousins or close friends. Almost all of us, to some extent, can relate to that feeling of anticipation as we know it from a human perspective in relationship to to birth or, or childbearing. And all of this excitement anticipation that was building during our pregnancy certainly did have a measure of joy fixed upon the arrival day. No doubt about it. But the true joy of our pregnancy wasn't just about the birth. It was the joy that was centered on all the possibilities and the potential that our children would bring into our lives well beyond the day of birth. And so it is with Christmas. That, of course, we celebrate this incredible gift of Emmanuel, meaning God with us. That that God was born to us as an innocent, fragile, vulnerable baby, taking on all of the same realities of our humanity. It is the birth of Jesus, I'm convinced, almost more than anything else, that demonstrates God's desire to be near us. But when it comes to Christmas, friends, We can't leave Jesus in the manger. We can't leave him just wrapped in the arms of Mary. We we can't just leave him in the wonder of the shepherds. We must remember that Christmas is not about the birth of Jesus only. It's about the anticipation that led to his birth and the anticipation that follows from his birth. You see, Christmas is about the cross. Christmas is about the grave. Christmas is about the hope of the resurrection and the life that is in Christ, seated on the throne in glory. This is why the Christmas message tonight that I wanted to share with you, I've titled Anticipating Jesus. And as I prepared for this service, I quickly realized just how similar, I'm sure, most of our stories are to the Lives of those who lived for years with an eager anticipation for this promised Messiah. You see, in the Bible, God's chosen people, the the nation of Israel, lived with this constant sense of expectation that God was going to give them this final restoration through a promised Savior, someone that was identified to them as a Messiah, which is another way of meaning someone who is anointed or king. And this is why Jesus later on was known as Jesus the Christ, because that's a term that basically means anointed one in reference to the idea of a Messiah, one who would deliver, one who would rule and save. And, and we see this pattern of anticipation all throughout the scriptures. From like the earliest days of creation to the covenant that God makes with Abraham to the exodus by which Israel's freed out of captivity from Egypt, to the establishment of the monarchy and the throne of David, to the ministry of the prophets. All of these things were about anticipation, that God was going to deliver and save and restore his people. Now, there's a couple of prominent examples I want to share with you quickly tonight that illustrates this idea of something big, that illustrates this idea of anticipation. Something wonderful is about to happen. The two examples are first in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For a lot of us, we might be familiar. These are kind of well-known Christmas verses. And the prophet Isaiah says this, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. The second is in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. It reads, "But as for you, Bethlehem, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you one will go forth from me to be ruler in Israel. His going forths are from long ago, from the days of eternity. The Old Testament, in fact, is full of incredible prophecies like this. in fact, over 300 pertaining to the promised Messiah. But from these two examples, we can get just a small appreciation for the kind of person that Israel must have been anticipating. I mean, think about this. In Isaiah chapter 9, it says that the government is going to rest on his shoulders. I mean, all of us can appreciate the imagery of a parent or grandparent carrying a young child over their shoulders or, or on a piggyback, sort of illustrating this idea of strength, provision, protection, sustaining. And power. It says that his name is going to have these distinguishing features, that he's wonderful, counselor, that he is mighty as God, that he is eternal as Father, that he is a prince of peace. It says that he's going to be a ruler in Israel, and his days are from eternity. I mean, you want to talk about anticipation, friends. You've got to believe that the hopes and expectations for the person God was going to deliver must have been sky high. But here's the thing, and this is where I think our lives oftentimes mirror the lives of Israel in this particular case. What they anticipated and what they got were two very different things. And here's what I mean by how our lives and their lives are a little similar. Israel expected a king of nobility and honor, and what they got was a baby in a manger Israel expected, at the very least, a kingdom or some kind of castle, right? I mean, this is, this is kind of the language that they're being told from these Old Testament prophecies. But what they got was a man who had no place to lay his head. The gospel tells us that Jesus was one who said, The birds of the air have a nest, and the foxes of the ground have a den, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. At the very least, Israel was expecting some kind of warrior general who'd bring about sort of military deliverance, but what they got instead was a man who turned the other cheek because he was a teacher of peace. What they anticipated was Israel establishing their own national identity once again, and what they got was a man who was crucified as the king of the Jews. You see, their sense of anticipation, that's Israel, their anticipation was centered on things like national identity and military prominence and the throne of David. And we can understand why this anticipation was in place. I mean, if you think about those passages I just referenced in Isaiah 9 and in Micah chapter 5, their hopes were high. This was one who's going to have the government's rest on his shoulders. He carried the distinguishing features as a counselor and as mighty God and eternal father. He was going to be the ruler of the nation of Israel. You can understand why they had these expectations. But what they failed to miss is oftentimes the same thing we fail to miss. Jesus' birth was not meant to fulfill our hopes and dreams, but it was to reveal the King of Kings. Now, I don't mean for that to come across careless or cold-hearted. Of course, God cares about us. But what Israel wanted was a Messiah to give them what they wanted, you see? But what they thought they wanted was far different from what they actually needed, And this is how I feel our lives can oftentimes mirror their lives. How our sense of anticipation blends with their anticipation. You see, Israel was looking at everything from a temporal kind of here and now point of view. Any of you relate to that? I sure can. Their sense of rescue and strength and blessing and good things came only by what they saw and knew in life. I think we can relate to that, right? We look at our life, or, or we look at the lives of, of others that are around us, and, and we, we quickly establish this perspective that, that good or blessing is based on things like health, or on our material possessions, or on this maybe general feeling of happiness. We don't always know why, but just, I'm feeling pretty good right now. And we feel like we have all of that we need when the temporal here and now is running smooth, right? But what about when it isn't? Or what about when the eventual time comes when something does go wrong? I bet a lot of us have lived through that already, haven't we? It's not just that we know it's going to come, it has. Now, here's the thing why, why Jesus' birth was not meant to fulfill our hopes and dreams, but reveal the King of Kings is that Christmas is as much a gift to us as it is a sobering reminder to us that we are all frail, vulnerable, helpless creatures. Right? And as much as we like to decorate this season, put up the lights and the, the, the garland and all these wonderful things, we have to remove the tinsel from the manger. And to consider the reality of his birth. Jesus put himself in that manger so that we could approach him. He became as one of us so that we could finally recognize the full extent of God's loving intentions towards us. He didn't come to give us everything we want. He came to give us everything we need. He came to give us a rescue that meets our needs, not only when the times are good, but especially when the times are bad. A weary world rejoices. We all know the things that we want in this life. But God came to provide us for the things we need for all of life. Because as much as we see life through the temporal here and now, God made us spiritual creatures as well. And one day this physical life is going to end. We know that too well. But the spiritual life only begins. And so the question we must all consider is what happens when we die? This is the gift of Christmas. right? This is why Christmas is not about the birth of Christ as much as it is about the life of Christ. The great story of Christmas is that Jesus, God in flesh, became like one of us so we could know who God is. And by knowing God, we could know the full heart of God. The message that we have to rejoice over is not, not that Jesus was born, but that he died and rose again. God became man, he then died the death that we deserved. He rose as the first fruits from the grave. And while we think we all know what we want, God in his mercy and grace gave us exactly what we all need. This is why I said earlier, as shocking as it may be sounded, that Christmas is not about the birth of Jesus. It's about the anticipation that led up to his birth and the anticipation that follows from his birth. You see, friends, Jesus' birth is meaningless without his sinless life. And his sinless life is meaningless without his cross. And his cross is meaningless without his resurrection. Jesus, with him, it is all or nothing. You see, friends, when God provides for all of your needs, and I mean all of them, you are actually getting exactly what you want, even if you don't always realize it at first. And what is it that we should want that is the need he truly fulfills? Well, as 1 Peter 1.20 reads, He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, But has appeared in these last times for the sake of you. Who was foreknown for the foundation of the world? Jesus was. And it says he appeared for us. Why? For what sake did Jesus appear? For what reason did did Jesus leave his throne room wrapped in the worship of angels? For what reason did he come into this world as a vulnerable, helpless, fragile child? For what reason? For the sake of us. And that sake was simply this, in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, it says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And see, this is the distinguishing mark between what we live in a physical way, but the difference in which God has imparted in us a spiritual life as well. You see, we live in this illusion at times that life is defined simply by the reality that we have breath in our lungs and blood pumping through our heart, and we fail to realize that life goes beyond these things, which is why Jesus, here in Ephesians chapter 2, through the Apostle Paul says, because of our sins, we're actually dead. We think we're alive, but in our sins, we are separated from God. And when we are separated from God, who is the source of life, There is no way, no means by our own that we can ever have or enter into a right relationship with God. We are, in a sense, desperately in need of Him. To the same extent that no dead person physically can do anything about their condition, so it is with us in our sins spiritually. That's the sake by which He came to us. So if He came to us out of the sake that we are lost in our sins, what did... God do about it? What did Jesus do about it? Well, Romans 5 tells us that God proved his love for us. What he did about it is that he died for us, even while we are still sinners. One of the more beautiful verses in all scripture. See, the point in all this, friends, is that Jesus is far more satisfying than anything this world could ever offer. All the health, All the wealth, all the security in the world can never grant you the pleasure or the lasting satisfaction of being known, of being loved by the eternal King of kings and Lord of lords. The best is yet to be. And every day with Jesus will be richer than the day before. As Psalm 16 verse 11 reads, You make known to me the path of life, And in your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What a night we have been given. What a gift we have been given. As we continue to anticipate the full culmination of God's love for us, where one day, because of what Jesus has done, we will live with him forevermore. the great great story of Christmas, the great hope of Christmas, is that in a weary world, separated and and sentenced apart from God, left in a condition of hopelessness, Jesus Christ came into our reality, came into our world to present to us an incredible and powerful display of love. So that through his life, because of his death and his sacrifice, we could be restored once again to the author and redeemer of life. So I want to wish each and every one of you very Merry Christmas. And as you depart from this place today, go in peace, knowing what it is that Jesus Christ has done for you. Christmas isn't just about his birth, it's also about his life. It's about his death, and it's about the resurrection that so through him things just become a little bit brighter amen